the Sacramento Kings have been abandoned by their three-point shooting, and the harsh reality is there's no one to blame but themselves. When your strengths are no longer your strengths, it's hard to win in the playoffs, especially against the defending champions. I'm going to share with you one absolutely inexcusable mistake that the Sacramento Kings made in this Game 5 loss right here on Locked on Kings. You are Locked On Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked On Kings. Hello and welcome into Locked On Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all postseason long. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use our code Locked On NBA for twenty dollars off of your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports reporter and producer for ABC Ten News. Game five. Usually a massive game in NBA playoff series. Typically, the team that wins Game 5 goes on to win the series approximately 80% of the time. Sacramento Kings knew that not only did they have to win this game uh, to be on the right side of that statistic, they had to win this game because the last thing you want to do is give the defending champions, who are bad on the road, an opportunity to close you out on their home court, on their turf, and their terms when they entered this series not having home court advantage. Credit to the Golden State Warriors. They defeat the Kings 126 to one or sorry, 123 to 116. They are the first team in this series to win a road game so far. And now it's on the Sacramento Kings to win a road game to keep their season alive and we'll get into the game six preview and talk about that at the end of the episode but like I said to open this show the Kings have been abandoned by their three-point shooting with the exception of game four their three-point shooting has been abysmal this series 10 of 34 tonight from three-point range that's 29.4 percent here in game five for the series they are 56 of 186 that's 30 percent the Kings were 8 of 12 from three-point range to start this game. The first quarter was excellent. De'Aaron Fox didn't look like he had any issue with that injured finger on his shooting hand. He was raining down threes. Davion Mitchell was hitting threes. Keegan Murray uh, was picking up right where he left off with his hot shooting in game four, raining down threes. The Kings looked like their offense had really finally hit their gear in this series, and for the first time in this building, they were using their offense to get in cr the crowd involved. Kings got off to a great offensive start still. Credit to the Warriors. They man uh, managed to uh, maintain at least a close distance. I think they only trailed by four points at the end of the first quarter, despite the Kings' great shooting. And for the rest of the game, after going 8 of 12 from three-point range in the first quarter, the Kings shot 2 of 22. At some point, your strengths have to be your strengths. You have to be able to lean and rely on what you do best. And the Sacramento Kings established their offense, their shooting, and their points per game, an offensive rating that the NBA has never seen before historically, the best ever. They established that during the regular season. And in these playoffs, that offense has been nowhere to be seen. Now, of course, the Kings have been able to win a couple of games in this series thanks to their defense, and they've uh, they've 
really stayed in every single game with the exception of game three because of their defense getting them through uh, the, the struggles of shooting. But when you establish yourself as an offensive uh, firepower team or, or offensive powerhouse, and at no point in the series can you really point to that offense carrying you to a victory, maybe with the exception of the Kings shooting 8 of 10 over their final 10 three-pointers uh, to finish game one and win game one in this building. You're not going to have success, not just against the defending champion Golden State Warriors. You're not going to have success, period. Like Even if the Sacramento Kings find a way to win game six, win game seven, punch their ticket to the next round where they're most likely going to be facing the Los Angeles Lakers, or even if it's the Memphis Grizzlies, it doesn't matter who. At some point in these playoffs, if the Kings want to be as good of a team as they want, uh, they think they are, if they want to make a Western Conference playoff, uh, championship run, if they want to make an NBA Finals run, they have to be able to play to the level that they're capable of playing on the area of the floor that they are known for. And that requires guys to step up. I share with you in the introduction, the Kings made one, uh, they made a lot of mistakes in this game, but there was one absolutely inexcusable mistake that the Sacramento Kings made in this game. And it's how they just massively failed when it comes to Keegan Murray. Keegan had 10 points, shot 4 of 5 from the field, and 2 of 2 from 3-point range in the first quarter. He played 9 minutes. Keegan ended the game with 10 points, 4 of 5 shooting from the field, and 2 of 2 from 3-point range in 35 minutes. So for the other 26 minutes that Keegan Murray played in this game, he did not take a single shot. Inexcusable. Keegan Murray was riding the high from what was happening in Game 4. And let me make this perfectly clear. While we, while we can give credit to the Golden State Warriors for the adjustments they made. I asked Warriors head coach Steve Kerr before the game about his assessment of Keegan Murray, and he said, look, we got a little too loose on Keegan. We let him get going, and he punished us in game four. We have to make sure we tighten up. Yes, the Warriors made adjustments from the end of the first quarter on against Keegan. But to simply say that a player goes from hot 10 points, 4 of 5 shooting, 2 of 2 from 3-point range in 9 minutes to playing another 26 minutes where he doesn't take another shot, doesn't even get another shot off, to simply sum that up or brush it under the rug and just say, well, credit to the Golden State Warriors defense and the adjustments they made, you're doing a disservice to what actually happened. The Sacramento Kings failed. Keegan Murray failed. I know you're a rookie. I know you're on this playoff stage for the first time, and quite frankly, you haven't really performed with the exception of five quarters. Demand the basketball. At some point, go, guys, we can't hit a shot outside of the first quarter. I've been red hot. I'm feeling it. Draw up a play for me. Let me come off of dribble handoff. Let me come off a screen. And if you can't free me up with one screen, damn it, set two. Let me run on the perimeter. Just get me a look. Maybe I can get our offense going again. But at no point did the Sacramento Kings do that. I put that on Mike Brown and his coaching staff as well. You mean to tell me, over the 26 minutes remaining in this game outside of the first quarter, you couldn't get Keegan Murray one open look. You couldn't draw up one play or figure out how to find one crack in the Warriors' defense to get the best shooter, best shooting rookie in history and arguably one of the best shooters, if not the best shooter, excuse me, on the Sacramento Kings. You couldn't find one way to get him a look. 
And then I blame the rest of the Sacramento Kings roster. De'Aaron Fox, DeMontis Sabonis, the leaders of this Kings team. You saw how good the rookie was shooting early on. You know how important he is to the offense. You know how important he was in game four. You couldn't get him one look. You couldn't even get him a, an opportunity to shoot the basketball, even a bad shot for God's sake. He didn't even get a bad shot off. He didn't shoot, period. He barely touched the ball for the rest of the game. Keegan Murray spent 26 minutes being a defender and standing on the offensive end and watching. Again, some of that's on Keegan. I put more of that on the team, more of that on the players on the floor with Keegan, and a lot of that on the coaching staff. That is a colossal failure by the Sacramento Kings. You did not take advantage of the hot hand. When your offense has been struggling, not just in this game, but for the most part all series long, you did not go to the guy that showed promise offensively in the first quarter. You completely went away from him, and you forced different guys to have different moments in different quarters that ultimately led up to 116 points, but a loss because you couldn't keep up with the Golden State Warriors and their scoring, even holding the Warriors to a, I think, less than 30% from three-point range in this game. The Kings completely failed with how they managed Keegan Murray offensively tonight. But here's the reality. The Sacramento Kings starters, with the exception of De'Aaron Fox, have not been good enough in this series, period. And calling them now out is not coming from any place of malicious intent. It's not pointing the finger at the starters saying, you're everything that's wrong and replace and your failures and you're terrible and you suck and everything good that you've done over the radio. That's not what this is. But the reality is, with the exception of five quarters for Keegan Murray and moments here or there for Barnes and for Herder and for Sabonis, the King starters, four out of the five King starters have been almost completely taken out of this series. De'Aaron Fox is basically doing everything himself. De'Aaron Fox, Malik Monk, Davion Mitchell, two point guards and a shooting guard, all three primary ball handlers. Those have been the only guys that have been carrying the Kings over the course of this series. And all three of those guys, what do they have in common? They've never played in a playoff series before this. Meanwhile, your playoff veterans, guys that have been there before, Kevin Herter, Harrison Barnes, DeMontis Sabonis, those three starters have gone MIA for massive portions, if not this entire series. It can't happen. Their, the Kings playoff, playoff vets have simply looked terrible. De'Aaron Fox with nine fingers is outperforming not just the majority of the Sacramento Kings roster, he also outperformed a, a lot of the Golden One, or rather Golden State Warriors roster, which is a credit to him. He's absolutely emerged as a superstar. If nothing else, the Sacramento Kings can go into this offseason, whether it ends Friday or whenever it ends, they can go into this offseason knowing, yeah, we have a bona fide superstar in, in, in De'Aaron Fox who's ready for this stage and can take us a long way. We have that. As of right now, there are a lot of massive question marks that Monty McNair is going to have to look at this offseason based off of how this team has performed in the postseason, especially the starters, especially the veterans, right? Harrison Barnes. 13 points tonight. Most of those points were basically in the third quarter where the Kings had to force the ball to him in the post and get him to go to the foul line seven times. He went a perfect of seven of seven from the free throw line just to get him freaking going. He was pretty much the majority of the Kings offense in the third quarter, to be honest with you. Other three quarters, non-factor. Had zero points in halftime. Kevin Herter finished with nine points. Four of ten shooting from the field. One of four from three-point range. We know how effective Kevin Herter can be. He scored like... 
four points in the second quarter. That's pretty much all I remember about Kevin Herter's performance. I think he did get banged up at one point, went back to the locker room, didn't play much at all uh, in the second half. He got the hook really quickly as he's gotten the majority of the series. Kevin Herter and Harrison Barnes are a combined 9 of 47. That's 19% from three-point range. Again, the Kings as a whole, the Kings as a team, have struggled from three-point shooting. So I'm not going to put it all on two guys. But these are two starters, two veterans who have been on this stage before and understand the significance of this stage and the importance of these shots, especially with how important it is to space the floor to give room for DeMontis Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox to work, especially when the Golden State Warriors are sitting in the paint just waiting for someone to attack the basket. You know, Mike Brown said before the game started that his analytics team pointed out to him that the Sacramento Kings coming into Game 5 had generated more wide-open three-point looks than any other playoff team. Hey, that's great. It doesn't mean you know what if the Sacramento Kings don't actually hit those shots. That's because guys like DeMontis or Harrison Barnes, Kevin Herter, have not hit those shots. You need your playoff veterans to step up. You need your starters to step up. You need your team to play to their strengths, and they haven't, and here they are going from 2-0 up with home court advantage to down 3-2 to the defending champions, now on the road, potentially to have their season put to bed. Maybe these are the lessons that you have to learn in the playoffs. Mike Brown has talked a lot about that. Maybe you need to go through these lessons and learn the hard way, but Sacramento has a lot of questions that they need to ask themselves based off of how these last three games have gone, based off of how this entire playoff series uh, has gone to this point. And there are more things to look at than what you can just chalk up to, oh, it's the Kings playing the defending champion Golden State Warriors who have all the experience in the world that the Sacramento Kings don't have. The Kings were completely in the driver's seat of this series, and they stepped out of the car and welcomed the Warriors back into it because they have not played to their strengths and, their, and key guys have not stepped up. There are questions that need to be asked. You notice, I talked about Herter, I talked about Barnes, I talked about Murray, I didn't talk about DeMontis Sabonis. It's because I'm saving a, a whole next segment, or the majority of the next segment, to talk about and have some harsh realities and some harsh truths about DeMontis Sabonis and how he's played in this playoff series. I'll get to that in just a second. Today's episode of the Locked On Kings podcast is brought to you by Ultimate Pro Basketball GM. If you think you can do Kings general manager Monty McNair's job better than him, first off, good luck. Second off, now here's your most realistic opportunity to actually give that a try. If you've had thoughts about being a general manager, giving a uh, general managing a try with basketball, and you want a realistic experience that you don't necessarily get uh, in NBA video games, Ultimate Pro Basketball GM is the game for you to try right now. The game allows you to manage every strategic aspect of a franchise, playing through seasons, uh, leading your franchise and fans to glory as you build a historic dynasty. In the simulation, you're responsible for different things like dealing with co uh, challenging personalities from your players and your coaches and free agents, things like that, hiring the right coaches and hiring the right assistants, trading and training players, making draft picks, navigating your franchise through free agency, the draft, all the ups and downs of the offseason and regular season, all in a challenging realistic game world ultimate pro basketball gm is completely free and playable offline you can play on the go as you want and when you want to now locked on kings listeners you can get 100 percent free boost to your franchise when using the promo code locked on all one word in the game store so make sure to check it out to download the game visit probasketballgm.com scan the code or look up on the app stores you can find it that's probasketballgm.com ultimate basketball gm start your dynasty today 
This episode of the Locked On Kings podcast is also brought to you by Ibotta. Look, we're always throwing our money at something, whether it's kids' school supplies, clothing, a new house project. The list goes on and on, even groceries. It's time to stop spending your hard-earned money without getting anything in return. This is why you need to use Ibotta. You can earn cash back on every shopping trip. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods. Either link your loyalty account or upload the receipt after you shop and get cash back. It's that easy. You get paid to shop. The average Ibotta user earns $120 a year in real cash back. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip. Uh, It could uh, cover a a flight to a vacation or get you a fancy dinner that you've been craving with your loved ones. A typical basket of groceries was over $50 more expensive at the end of 2022 than the beginning of the year. Due to inflation, you could earn two and a half times that in cash back from Ibotta or even more depending upon how much you use Ibotta. You can earn cash back to hundreds of online brands and retailers too. When you start with Ibotta, and that includes Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. So right now, Ibotta is offering Locked on Kings listeners $5 for just trying Ibotta by using the code LOCKED when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use code LOCKED. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use code LOCKED. There are many of you who have listened to Locked on Kings all season long, and you know how much I love DeMontis Sabonis. There are some of you that have only started listening during this playoff series, including a lot of you Warriors fans. And you know I came into this playoff series with a lot of confidence in DeMontis Sabonis. I came into this playoff series saying the Golden State Warriors didn't have anybody to stop or contain DeMontis Sabonis. I've been wrong. Completely wrong. And here's the reality. DeMontis Sabonis has been a complete letdown. I don't think that's harsh to say. I don't think that's unfair to say. I think DeMontis Sabonis knows he's not been playing well. I think DeMontis Sabonis knows he's in his own head. The Golden State Warriors are in his head, and they've taken him completely out of his rhythm, completely out of his flow. So even when he puts up 21.10 rebound, 4 assists, 3 steal, 5 turnover stat lines like he put up tonight, if you were to look at his box score, you would go, okay, those are all-star numbers. DeMontis Sabonis had a double-double. He played pretty well. The Sacramento Kings just happened to lose. But if you watch the game, And if you watch DeMontis Sabonis play with the full context of how well he played all regular season for the Sacramento Kings, you would know he is a fraction of himself right now. The Golden State Warriors have completely taken DeMontis Sabonis out of his element in this series. With the exception of Game 2, he has not been his all-star self. He's been completely outplayed by Kevon Looney and Draymond Green. And a lot of Warrior fans listening, I know, are listening for one reason. So you can hop into my comment section on YouTube or shoot me a text or a DM or, or, or a message on Twitter and laugh at me and, and, and talk about the take that I had coming into this series that Kevon Looney could not stop Draymond Green. You know what? Have at it. You deserve to. I underestimated Kevon Looney completely because he completely outplayed DeMontis Sabonis tonight, and he has completely outplayed DeMontis Sabonis for the majority of this series. Four points, 22 rebounds, seven offensive rebounds for Kevon Looney, seven assists tonight. Let me, let me make something perfectly clear. Some of you are going to interpret this as an insult to Kevon Looney, and if that's the case, understand I don't mean it this way. I need you to listen to what I'm saying very, very closely. DeMontis Sabonis is too good. He's too important, and he came into this series as a three-time All-Star. He's going to get all-NBA recognition or should get all-NBA recognition for how well he played during the regular season. The man finished in, uh, in the top 10 in MVP voting. One could argue he was the best player for the Sacramento Kings consistently over the course of the regular season. That man, 
coming into this series should not be getting his ass kicked by a role-playing center like Kevon Looney. I know Looney is an amazing rebounder. I know he led the league in offensive rebounds. DeMontis Sabonis led the league in rebounds, period. So the, the, the rebound king, who was honored with an award before the game started for his leading the league in rebounds per game this regular season, should not be coming in and getting his ass kicked 22-10 to 10 on the glass by, yes, he's an NBA champion, but Kevon Looney is not on the same tier as DeMontis Sabonis skill-wise. He's just not. He does his job extremely well. That's why he and the Golden State Warriors win, and I give him full credit for that. But one-on-one, -on -one, Kevon Looney should not outplay DeMontis Sabonis the way that Kevon Looney has outplayed him in this series. And then Draymond Green. Like, I know Draymond Green is, is a phenomenal player. I know Draymond Green is a, a defensive player of the year. Like he's, he's an amazing defensive player. Draymond Green should not be having as much effectiveness guarding DeMontis Sabonis as he has. But I also think Draymond Green is in DeMontis Sabonis' head. Maybe stomping a guy on the ribs on the crown uh, will do that. But on top of that, like Draymond Green, now this isn't really on DeMontis Sabonis. This is kind of a side note. I thought Draymond Green was phenomenal tonight. Like, this is the first time back in this building since he stomped on Sabonis, since he was ejected from the game, since he received a suspension, jumped on that Warriors bench over there, and, and flipped off the... Well, he didn't flip off the crowd, but called them B-words and P-words and, and certainly went right at them, right? His first time back, for the most part, he stayed completely composed, and he dropped 21 points on the Kings' asses. So he didn't need to say anything. He didn't need to do his normal antics. He did get away with yelling in the face of Tony Brothers and not getting a technical foul when De'Aaron Fox got issued a technical foul for saying he was fouled when he was fouled and telling the refs to call the foul. He got a technical foul for that earlier on in the game. But whatever, that's not the reason why the Kings lost. That's not the reason why Draymond Green had a great game. Whatever. Draymond Green balled out. 21 points, 8 of 10 from the field, 7 assists, 4 steals. Draymond Green was excellent. I have no problem giving him the recognition he, has, he deserves. Even though it makes me wrong, I have no problem giving Kevon Looney the recognition that he deserves. I did the same thing on 95.7 The Games, The Morning Roast with Bonte Hill and Joe Shasky uh, this morning, which, by the way, I appreciate it, 95.7 The Game, for thinking that my take on Kevon Looney is important enough for you to write an article about it. I guess I'm doing well for myself if people think that my opinion is that important. Just a podcast host having fun covering my favorite team and, and making a career out of what I love to do. But look, I can look at DeMontis Sabonis someone who I admire, someone who I appreciate, someone who I know has kicked ass for the Kings all season long. I can look at what he's doing and go, he has not been good enough and he has to be better or the Kings are going to be watching the rest of the playoffs from their couches very, very soon. Sabonis has to be better. He simply has to and he knows it. And look, Monty McNair, Kings GM Monty McNair is paying attention to everything right now. I don't think he's going to overreact to this playoff series if the Kings lose on Friday. I don't think he's going to overreact and start questioning, is DeMontis Sabonis really the guy going forward? He knows he has a core of Fox, Sabonis, and Keegan Murray at the very least. But questions about Harrison Barnes, who I don't know if the Kings can replace Harrison Barnes this offseason, but ultimately the Kings are going to go into this offseason trying to improve this team, knowing the expectations next year are that, that is that they're right back in this spot with home court advantage and actually winning a playoff series regardless of who they're facing. If that's the case, you need to make upgrades. Are you asking questions about Harrison Barnes? Are you asking questions about Kevin Herter? Monty has to take all this context into account when he goes into this offseason. Another thing I wanted to point out. In three out of these five games, the Sacramento Kings have won the battles in the trenches. The, I call it the trenches of the box score, essentially. 
game three, they really lost that battle, and they lost pretty comfortably on the road. Game four, they won the battle, but still lost by missing a Harrison Barnes buzzer beater. Tonight, they got pretty beat up in the trenches again. 60 Warrior points in the paint on 30 of 41 shooting. That's 73%. The Golden State Warriors are a team that have so many shooters that kill you from the perimeter. If you're giving up 60 points in the paint to the Golden State Warriors, you're screwed. You're going to lose, right? The Sacramento Kings did what they needed to do defensively on the perimeter tonight to win this game. But they gave up 60 points in the paint to Golden State. A lot of them layup lines and backdoor cuts. The Kings were killed by backdoor cuts and off-ball screens and ba basic pick-and-roll all night long. That's been a story of their regular season to this point. The Golden State Warriors scored 19 points off of 19 Kings turnovers. Reminder, in Games 1 and Games 2 in this building combined, the Warriors scored, I think, not what's 14 points off of... Sacramento Kings turnovers, I think it was five points in game one, nine points in game two. 19 points in your own building that you gave up uh, off of turnovers to the Golden State Warriors. That can't happen. You gave up 18 second chance points on 11 offensive rebounds. Again, Kavon Looney had seven of those 11 offensive rebounds. Kings lost, their, their shooting disappeared again. They made bad decisions and didn't get the guys involved that they needed to get involved. They didn't get enough output out of their top guys, and they lost the battles in the trenches. They're lucky this game was as close as it was. After the game, I asked Mike Brown about being honest with his guys and pulling guys aside and saying, I need more from you. And if the playoffs are the right time to do that, here's what he had to say. Mike, you've talked over the course of the year about being just honest with guys. You've also yeah. talked about in the playoffs, it's the time more to love on them than anything else. Is it more of a hindrance or is it too a little too late at, to pull somebody aside at this point, any player aside, and, and tell them, hey, we need more out of you in order to be successful? Does that do more harm than good at this point in the season? No, no, no. It, it, you know, I've, I've had conversations with guys telling guys that, uh, you know, hey, we need more. We need you to rebound more. You're doing a heck of a job for us. And, and starting with Fox. You know, he's been our, obviously our best player during this playoff run. And I tell him almost every other day, you know, I'm going to keep asking you for more. I'm going to keep demanding more. Uh, and you're going to have to keep trying to produce because that's who you are. You're more than capable, and that's what you get paid to do. And so not just him, but uh, others we've had that conversation with because we have to do it collectively. You know, we have to have uh, all of our guys step up, not do anything extraordinary, but they have to step up and meet the challenge. And like I said, I feel like our guys will on Friday. Like I said at the top of the show, today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by Game Time. Buying tickets to events, especially in the last minute, should not be stressful. Game Time is the fast and easiest way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over tickets and have fun just getting hyped for the event that you know you're going to. I used the Game Time app when I was in San Francisco to buy last-minute tickets to go see the Giants play. I was staying right next to Oracle Park. I thought, hey, why not use the Game Time app? I got a killer flash deal for, like, less than $40 tickets on the infield to watch the Giants lose to the Mets. They've won five straight since then, so Giants fans maybe give me a little bit of credit for being the last one to, to, to witness their losing streak. I don't know. Maybe I'm just trying to make myself feel better there. But ultimately, uh, game time helped me get into that game for really, really cheap. It was like Oakland Coliseum, Oakland A's uh, prices 
to watch a Giants game inside of Oracle Park. And I can make that joke because I'm an A's fan and I understand how cheap A's tickets are. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. You can also get images, really high res, accurate images of exactly what your view is going to look like from your seat. Make sure you snag their tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use our code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account to redeem code uh, LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off. Download game time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. It is time for our Nissan Most Electric Player of the Week, brought to you by the all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. I'm giving it to Davion Mitchell. I'm going to talk about him a little bit more in the show, but he has stepped up in a major way and taken on the uh, role of defending Steph Curry and making Steph Curry work. He's also uh, stepped up in some major offensive ways. Like I said earlier in the show, he's been a top three player for the Sacramento Kings in this series. Davion Mitchell has been excellent defensively. He's been brilliantly fierce, fiercely elegant, stunningly powerful at times elegantly powerful all words that describe not just his game and his defense but the Nissan Aria the 2023 Nissan Aria packs pin to your seat power and premium intelligence all in one EV the all new all electric 2023 Nissan Aria the EV for people who love to drive you can shop now at nissanusa.com Steph Curry had the quietest 31 points maybe of his career like I, I didn't realize Steph Curry had 31 points until I looked up at the scoreboard at the end of the game and went, wait a minute, how many points did Steph Curry score? He went 12 of 25 from the field, 2 of 10 from three-point range. That's another thing that just wants to make you pull your hair out about this game. You held Steph Curry to 20% from three, and you lost. Credit to the Golden State Warriors. Other guys stepped up when Steph Curry wasn't having his big shooting night, but you did defensively what you needed to do against the best shooter of all time to win this game. You take that 2 of 10 from 3-point shooting stat line and apply it to basically every other game in the series, certainly game 3 and game, well, certainly game 4. The Sacramento Kings win game 4. So, I mean, you can cherry-pick anything you want to, but that's just frustrating. The Kings, as a whole, held the Warriors to 28.9%, 11 of 38 from three-point range. Again, you did what you needed to do. You limited one of the primary strengths of the defending champions on your home floor, in your own building, and you still lost. A lot of the reason why Steph Curry didn't have uh, the best of shooting nights has to do with Davion Mitchell. I've talked about him a lot during the series. I want to make sure, honestly, I could beat this dead horse into the ground as much as I want to because Davion Mitchell's defense has been so good and so notable on Steph Curry over the course of this series that it needs to be talked about more than it is. And it's not being talked about because Steph Curry is still averaging over 30 points per game in this series. That's because Steph Curry is basically a god. One of the greatest scorers we've ever seen, certainly the greatest shooter we've ever seen. I spent a lot, a long time after Game 4 uh, praising the man and talking about how great he is to watch and what he brings to the table. Davion Mitchell, we've heard De'Aaron Fox talk about this, heard Steve Kerr talk about this, heard Mike Brown talk about this. You do not stop Steph Curry. You just make him work. That's all you can do. Davion Mitchell did as well as you could possibly do against Steph Curry in this game tonight. He's done as well as you could possibly do against Steph Curry over the course of this series while, all stepping, while also stepping up and providing some much-needed offense for the Kings at times. Davion Mitchell has been fantastic, and I think Monty McNair, when he's making decisions going forward, has to be able to feel very confident in his uh, draft pick of a couple of years ago and how much of an impactful player he's been coming off the bench for the Sacramento Kings. Someone reached out to me and asked me about the possibility of Davion Mitchell 
and uh, uh, Malik Monk starting and moving uh, Keegan Murray, sorry, moving Harrison Barnes and Kevin Herter to the bench. We've seen the Kings a lot in this series go to that small three guard, three primary ball handler lineup, and it's worked for the Sacramento Kings. It's too little too late at this point. Like, that is a too much of a knee-jerk reaction. Even though that lineup is spending a lot of time playing together and has been your best lineup in this series so far, that's an overreaction for Mike Brown. He's not going to make that change. The Sacramento Kings don't need to make that change. It's a little too extreme at this point, and you risk destroying any confidence that these guys have left. It's, it's just too late to make a change like that. You ride it out the way you have it. Hope guys step up in Game 6. If they don't, then your season is over. Then you can reevaluate going into the offseason with personnel changes in training camp next year. Also, credit to Klay Thompson, too. Klay Thompson got hot in this game. He had 25 points, 10 of 19 from the field, 5 of 11 from three-point range. The Kings were really fortunate that Klay Thompson got into foul trouble because the way that he was going, man, he could have gone for 35-plus if he wanted to. The Kings did a good job taking him out of the game by getting him into foul trouble. So here we go. Friday, one day off. Game six, inside the Chase Center in San Francisco. Kings need to win or their season comes to an end. Before I talk about what the Kings need to do in game six, here's Davion Mitchell after the game. He was asked uh, about the mood in the locker room. Here's what he had to say. Davion Mitchell is absolutely right. The Kings have to go in and they have to punch first. They have to take control. The way I summed it up is this, and I wrote this down. The Kings have to go into Chase Center and take this series back. Take back home court advantage. Take the opportunity to get back in this building for one more run. Game seven, win or go home, elimination game for both teams. Even if the Golden State Warriors would probably still be favored on that stage because of their um, experience. The Kings have never been in that as high pressure as it gets in the playoffs before. You have to take the opportunity to be back in this building in front of this crowd again. So what that means is no relying on Golden State Warriors' poor shooting, no relying on Draymond Green to get himself kicked out or a technical foul for his antics, no relying on a rough shooting night for Steph Curry or Klay Thompson missing shots, no relying on referees giving you fouls in your favor or not, and I am not here for anybody blaming the referees for the Kings' loss tonight. The reality is the Kings got a favorable whistle in the second half, particularly in the fourth quarter. They shot more free throws than the Golden State Warriors did, so there's no way that anybody can blame the referees for the Kings losing this game tonight. But they can't rely on the refs. They can't rely on the Warriors missing. They can't rely on luck going in their way. They have to go into Chase Center and take that game. They have to hit shots. They have to play defense. They have to fight for their season. Win the little statistical battles in the box score play to their strengths, go into Chase Center where it's going to be rowdy, it's going to be excited, and everybody in that building, even some Kings fans going, are going to be in there expecting to watch the Kings season come to an end. I had people, uh, Kings media members here saying that they're going to Game 6 to watch the funeral of the Sacramento Kings season. That's how people are feeling. Kings need to go in there and change that narrative immediately. Take this series back to Sacramento or Friday is the last game of the year. And I certainly hope not, because this series has been so much fun. I want it to go to seven games, and this year has been so much fun. I don't want it to end. What are your thoughts on Game 5 tonight? How are you feeling going into Game 6? I, of course, will be in San Francisco for Game 6. I'll do a post-game show on Friday. Might do a show tomorrow. Uh, not entirely sure. But regardless, we'll absolutely be doing a post-game show on Friday. Win or lose, season come to an end or not. I hope you will join me for that. I appreciate all your support, even you Warrior fans that are in here to talk smack. You know what? You earned it. You are obnoxious, you are entitled, 
But I get it. And a lot of you have been great. Some of you have been just terrible. And you know what? Whatever. It's been a lot of fun. It's added to this series. Uh, and, and again, I hope the series continues. At least we're getting one more game. And no matter what happens, Kings win or lose, I expect it to be as close and exciting as the rest of these games have been. The one thing I can accept and won't expect is the Sacramento Kings getting their ass kicked in Game 6 because they completely fold and give up and the defending champs uh, put them to sleep in a, in a rough way or put them to, to bed and end their season in a rough way. I don't think that's going to happen. But let me know how you're feeling about this game. Let me know how you're feeling about Game 6. I appreciate your support as always. Can't wait to have you join me on the next episode of Locked on Kings. Until then, my name is Matt George. You have been listening to the Locked on Kings podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network.